The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. A man in the crowd said to Jesus, Master, tell my brother to give me a share of our inheritance. My friend, he replied, who appointed me your judge or the arbitrator of your claims? And then he said to them, watch and be on your guard against avarice of any kind. For a man's life is not made secure by what he owns, even when he has more than he needs. And then he told them a parable. There was once a rich man who, having a good harvest from his land, thought to himself, what am I to do? I haven't got enough room to store all my crops. And he said, this is what I'll do. I'll pull down my barns, I'll build bigger ones, and store all my grain and my goods in them. And I'll say to my soul, my soul, you have plenty of good things laid by for many years to come. Take things easy. Eat, drink, have a good time. And God said to him, Fool, this very night the demand will be made for your soul. And this hoard of yours, whose will it be then? So it is when a man stores up treasure for himself in place of, in place of making himself rich, in the sight of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, it's a pretty clear message in all the readings today, isn't there? The first one, vanity of vanities. Uh, what does he gain for all the toil and strain he's undergone? <laughs> what of his laborious days, his restless nights? And then the second one, St. Paul saying, um, you look for the things that are in heaven. Let your thoughts be on heavenly things, not on the things that are on the earth. And then uh, that graphic story in the gospel, the man who had the fantastic crop, pulled, thought, oh, we'll pull down all the barns, build some biggies now. Why, word, eat, drink, and be merry. And the Lord God said, fool. This very day, you'll have to go. And who's all this be? So uh, this is the Sunday when in Australia we have its vocation Sunday. And we are asked to preach on vocations. And Archbishop Fisher, well, you're not in his diocese anymore, but you were. He told us to preach, especially with an emphasis on priestly vocations, and to tell our own story of our own vocation. So my story is very important for mothers, fathers, grandfathers and grandmothers. It may not have as much relevance to young men. So I'll tell you another story later that has maybe more relevance. Um, my mother, my, my grandmother, Thomas, she had a couple of sons, priests, a son, a bishop and a daughter and Anne. And when my mother married my father, the grandmother Thomas said to her, her daughter-in-law, she said, the greatest joy that any mother can have is to see her son at the altar celebrating Mass. She was a woman of great faith. So he said, let us pray. This is the night before the wedding. I only found this out when I was ordained myself. I was told this story uh, just before my ordination by my mother. 
grandmother said to her daughter-in-law, let us pray, let's start praying now that you'll have a son a priest. Well, ten months later, I was born. And from the time that I can remember from about three, I've never in my life, there's one temptation I've never had to desire anything else but being a priest. I have always knew I was going to be a priest, always wanted to be a priest like my uncles. And um, uh, right through seminary, other people were tossing around about their vocations, having all kinds of... Never did it enter my mind. I've had other temptations and other crises, but never with regard to that. Now, I believe that was the gift of my grandmother and my mother. So isn't that a good idea for grandparents? Now, Chris was telling me he has got four sons. Is that right? And the son... The first, I think you said you're well pleased with all of them. You said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. <laughs> but I'm wondering if you and your wife and, your, and the grandparents have ever been praying for one of them to be a priest or two of them to be a priest or four of them to be a priest. <laughs> <laughs> two of them are married. It's, it's, well, they, they'll, they'll have to join the Orthodox Church. <laughs> Anyway, I think though that I should, in a group like this, really emphasize that, that it's so important. Julie, have you ever prayed that your grandchildren would be priests? Well, the will of God to be done in their lives. But actually, if you pray that they would be a priest, would my grandmother and mother pray that they should have a priest? And I believe, I'm firmly of the conviction that that's why I've never had the problems of other seminarians in that I've never had any question or doubt. I knew from, I used to practice Mass. When I was a um, little boy, I'd have say, dress up and say Mass in the shed. And I was very ahead of my time. I had four altar girls, my four <laughs> sisters. <laughs> so... Anyway, that's my story, and it's directed at grandparents and parents. Start thinking about that, actually praying for priests in your family, and God will hear the prayer. And now the, So I thought, well, I'd better tell you another story, because mine, it's not very common, although Archbishop Hickey had the same story as me. We, we were in the same page. He never once doubted, and from the earliest age, he knew he was to be a priest and all that, and he had terrific parents. So, um, but it's not the most common thing, particularly today, for that. But it will become common when you people start praying for your grandsons. But, uh, so let me tell you another story that's very different. It's the story of Father Michael Tate. Now, all you older people would have heard of Michael Tate when he was a cabinet minister in the Hawke government. Now, his story is like this. As a young man he had this feeling of a call to a priesthood. But then it was the time of the Vietnam War and he was, uh, he kind of thought, now he thinks of it as kind of a rationalization. Now if I join the Labour Party, we can fight this. And we can, he, he joined the Labour Party and he was a very brilliant fellow. So he, he rose up, he rose up to be a member of parliament, to be a minister and finally a cabinet minister, minister of defence. And what did Hawke do? Hawke sent troops to the first Iraq war. He was the defense minister and he was to promote this idea and 
and defend it and urge everybody to support it. And it went against everything he believed in. So he went to Hawke and he said, Bob, I can't do this. And so Bob arranged for him to get an ambassadorship. And in the part of that ambassadorship was invited to, to the uh, Vatican. So then when he went to meet Pope John Paul II, Pope John Paul II looked straight into his eyes and said, you should be a priest. So he knew that was right. So he went down, joined the seminary in Melbourne. He's from Tassie, so he studied in Melbourne. And he became a priest. He said, when I was in the seminary, I loved the studies. He was an intellectual and he loved the challenge of the studies. But he said, when it was my turn to clean the toilets, I used to sigh for the days when I was in Rome with all these um, kind of servants and butlers and so on to do all these dirty work for me. Uh, he, I've been down in his parish down in southern Tassie I gave a retreat to nuns during Holy Week and I said, let's go along to the parish church for the ceremony. So I heard him preach. He's a very good preacher. He's got all his parliamentary gifts. And just this year, he was made the vicar general. He'd be in his 70s now, but he, he would have been in his late 50s when he became a priest. He was already a cabinet minister in his 40s. And he'd be 70 now. And he's now the vicar general to Archbishop Porteous in Hobart. So that's a different, very different from my story. He didn't actually commit himself to becoming a priest, but he resisted it for years and rationalized. And then finally, well, God used his strange means, John Paul II, to look straight into his eye and said, you should be a priest. <laughs> and, of course, there's many other stories. And one of the um, priests is a great friend of mine, Father Andrew Grace. He was uh, a bit wild in his youth and he had a big conversion. And again, it was due to his very devout parents. He prayed like mad for him. And um, he had a girlfriend, and I, I think they were engaged. And of course, when he had this conversion, and then he felt the call to the priesthood, he, he had to talk it over with her. And she could see the big change in him, and she said, yeah, I know, that's what you have to do. And so he had to break up with his girlfriend. And that's not uncommon today, that some, some, a lot of priests get called a little bit later. So I'm just addressing, to, to be a priest, you really need to have that personal relationship with Jesus. But here we are in a community where that's the foundation of your community, isn't it? You're the servants of Jesus, so surely you have to have this deep personal relationship with him. So, so you young men here would make excellent priests. Not all of you will be called to be priests, but... I'm sure some are, because every week you pray in the prayer of the faithful, let's have priests for to serve our community. And um, I, um, um, I was asking, Phil was asking me, can I, am I available for the next month? I'm not available next month or the month after. I've got, uh, I've got a very exciting challenge next month to set up perpetual adoration in Canberra. And... Um, so please pray for the success of that. I'll be in Canberra most of next month, and then the following month I'll be down in Victoria giving a series of retreats. Uh, so um, November I might be back here with you. But you see, uh, God surely is calling some young men here to be priests. So start praying for that. Start thinking about it and listening to God and what he's saying to you. And remember that, you know, when I was in Perth and I was vocation director for six years for the Redemptorists, and about three times a year I'd have a little vocation search day 
one time I was very pleased, three young Vietnamese, so about 18 years old, came along to this day to search for vacations. But then when I interviewed each one of them personally, I asked them, you know, what's their dream and hope in life? Oh, it was to make money. It was to be successful in business. It was to be rich. And I said, well, why did you come along here to this? Because it had been advertised in the Catholic paper. They said, oh, our dads told us to come. They were refugees. They were boat people. They'd experienced the power of Jesus in rescuing them from, from drowning and from communists. And, and they had a deep religious faith. But these young men had grown up in this culture and they didn't have that connection with Jesus. And, and so that's the, the gospel is telling us, now don't go thinking in those terms that I want to make lots of money. That's what the, the vanity of vanities in the first one. Let your thoughts be on heavenly things, not on those that are on earth. The parable of the rich man. Oh, he had everything. But what about it? If, it's, if you're not building treasure in heaven, what's the use of what you build up on earth? So today we do pray for vocations. We pray that God will inspire young men in this community to be priests. And we pray that grandparents and parents will have an urgent desire, like my grandmother, my mother, to have a priest in the family. We ask this through the intercession of the Blessed Mother.